You are listening to a message from Praise Community Church in York, Pennsylvania. We hope that the message today encourages you to grow closer in your relationship with Jesus. We are glad you can join us and we would love to get to know you. Please connect with us on Facebook and Instagram or visit praiseyork.com. Here's today's message. Good morning. Who's clapping? Sue, is that you clapping, Sue? Ay, ay, ay. I am humbled to be here. Um, the Connolly family is represented hard today. They're taking up like two rows. I love it. I love it. It's beautiful. Uh, This is, without question, unequivocally, probably one of my favorite topics. And I feel like that doesn't even do it justice to call it that Um, because it's more than a topic. It's more than an experience. But I know that Pastor Adam has been doing an incredible job. I heard the comments he made last week. I don't know if he made it second service or first service, but comments like, I can't take him down or something like that. And (laughs) as if that's what we do in our free times, wrestle each other, right? To see who has the uh, the greatest amount of strength. And I can assure you those words are false. So, um, but I will say, uh, and I say it all the time, and maybe it's easy for me to say because he's my best friend. It makes me weepy to talk about, but I've known Adam a long time and to see the leader he is today blows my mind. He is unbelievably like an anointed leader, guys. I really mean that. And um, we fight like brothers, but like a lot of times, like if I, if I really need advice on something, I ask him and I employ it a lot. Um, and he has done an incredible job of, I think, building faith for where we're going tonight. And it's my privilege and my honor to serve you guys in that way. I know Jen was sharing briefly, I won't go into a lot of detail, but Jen was sharing briefly about some of the things we saw in Pittsburgh last week. What an amazing time. Um, some of you guys might remember Frank Menhart. He would come here and preach. He's uh, at Blainsburg. He actually stopped the itinerant and he pastors now full-time, Blainsburg uh, Bible Church out towards Pittsburgh. And, uh, and one of his girls, they had a, uh, okay, okay. They had a three-hour service last Sunday because these kids were standing up and testifying about what happened at Gen Free. And um, one, of, one of the girls got up. I might show it tonight. I might give it to the tech team so those of you that are here can watch the testimony. I sent it to my dad. He saw it. Some people on the team saw it. And uh, it was this girl, probably 14, 15 years old. And um, she stood up. And what I did last week, we're doing tonight. We are praying for you to experience what is a covenant promise in God tonight that you would be filled with or baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I'm gonna explain that here in a moment. So I did that last Sunday. It's one of my favorite things to do with kids. I sit there, I share my story, what God did in me, what he did at the Lutheran Church I was a part of for a number of years. And because I've been asking God, I said, I wanna see that again in greater measure because I've seen it, I do it a lot. Um, There's something very precious about watching God touch teenagers that... Um, don't believe they're loved, that um, struggle with addictions of various kinds, struggle with suicide and different stuff. And this girl was standing up and she was just testifying. She said, after Brian prayed for me, she said, God just came upon me. I fell down to the ground. The reality of his love touched me, wrapped around me. I felt his warmth and I saw Jesus come to me and hold me. And she just is weeping. I'm weeping watching it. And I'm like, that's what God wants to do for people. 
He wants to become more real to you than you can possibly imagine. And when this experience happened to me, which I'll share with you guys tonight, those of you that are coming, like that experience, aside from me getting born again, I mean, that experience made God so undeniably real. There was no going back. So I look forward to the transformation that's gonna come out of tonight. I look forward to the callings that are gonna come out of tonight. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because I'm learning. The more we make declarative statements that are based in our own measure of faith, it builds faith in the room. And when there's more faith, more things happen. God is attracted to faith. In fact, it's the thing that pleases him, it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. So our measure of faith does matter. And that faith can be strengthened based upon what we hear. And so what I want to do is is build a scriptural foundation for you. I know Adam's been doing it, but I want to help you understand this thing systematically the best that I can so that your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ, that you would leave here today and say, he made that pretty plain through the scriptures. Like, and I will tell you this, like when I had this experience in December 3rd, 2009, after that, this thing really came alive because the author of it was upon me and showing me things that seemed to be veiled and all of a sudden it was like the cat's out of the bag and you can understand things that you couldn't see before. And I wanna begin by making this strong point because I think it's imperative. Like, okay, how many of you have heard the word, title, phrase, the Trinity? Put your hands in the air. Come on, you Christian people, there you go. What is that? Well, that is just a fancy way of explaining something that's triune, which just basically means three in one. So those of us that have grown up in the church, we, depending on your background, there was more of a familiar, familiarity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit didn't get a lot of airtime. Right? So that's just Frank laughing, because he knows. Like, he's, he's been around, he gets it. My own father was nodding, because he's even said to me, by the grace of God, he said, son, you've really helped me understand the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, when we're talking about this, we have to understand that if God is three in one, let me explain that to you. That means that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the same essence and substance, but they're different in person and function. And when I say person, I'm not talking about human beings, but when I talk about personhood, I'm talking about personality. And they all have a unique personality. They all have a specific function that they perform. For example, if I were to say to my father, uh, Rich, get up and go turn on the lights. Now this may not be the best analogy, but it's the only one I have at the moment. So there's a command that goes forth. Dad, I want you to go turn on the lights. Somebody's gotta administrate that command. Somebody's gotta fulfill the will of that command. So my dad gets up and goes and turns on the lights, but there needs to be some power that turns the lights on. So the father will give a command, the son will administrate though, because what did Jesus say when he was on the earth? I did not come on my own initiative. My will's not my own. But he came to do what? The will of his father in heaven. So the father gives like a command, Jesus administrates, the Holy Spirit is though the power behind it. So when God is making man out of the dust, the breath of life that comes in man and makes man alive is the person of the Holy Spirit. When we talk about being baptized in or with, the Holy Spirit. Guys, I pray that this hits you because I don't have a whole lot of time to unpack it. We are talking about being baptized in God himself. And that should cause all of us to say, whoa. And we wonder why sometimes people tremble. 
We wonder why sometimes people fall down. We wonder why sometimes things come out of people's mouths or they have experiences with his love or they're delivered in a moment. Why is that happening? Well, because the word baptized in the spirit, the word baptized in, in the Greek language is the word baptizo, which means to dunk or immerse repeatedly. I like that because you can be baptized in the spirit more than one time. It also, it also means this. It also means to cleanse, to wash away. That's why some people will say when they have this experience, that's why some will say, I felt like I was sanctified, which is just another fancy way of saying there was a holiness that came into my life that wasn't there previously. Maybe I struggle with a certain sin that I don't struggle with anymore. That was certainly my story in December 3rd, 2009. There were people in the late 1800s they were part of what was called the holiness movement that did not believe that we needed authority. They believed that in Christ as a new creation with his name, we have authority. What we need is holy character. So they called this experience sanctification. Later on in life, John Wesley called it the baptism in the spirit. I'm being nerdy right now. I like being nerdy. So, but it was later on in the early 1900s that the Pentecostals said it's not about sanctification or becoming holy. It's about having power for effective witness. It's for missions. And I, I want to tell you, it's not one or the other. It's both. Amen. The other word for baptized or baptizo is the word overwhelmed. So that's why you'll hear people say, when I received this, it, I, the only thing I was aware of at that moment was God became really real. So all of that can happen in a moment, guys. Now there's debate over when this happens. And I don't have time to unpack the difference between being born again and baptized in the spirit. But I will say there are some denominations. My wife came out of one that believed that when you were water baptized as an infant, you were saved. Then what happened was you went through a process of confirmation. And it's not just this denomination. There's, another, there's other denominations that believe this. You would go through confirmation. And then when you were confirmed, the priest, the bishop, or the minister would lay hands on you. And when they did, what was deposited in you at your water baptism got stirred up in you in your confirmation. It's like literally taking chocolate syrup and stirring it up in milk. It may not be the best analogy, but that's what you get. But that's kind of like what it is. And there are some, some believe that when you're born again, that you get this experience when you're born again. And yet there are others that believe it's subsequent to being born again. In other words, you're born again by the spirit. But after that, there's a promise. And the Bible calls it the promise of the father that will be performed and it's performed by none other than Jesus. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. There are those that believe that after you're born again is when you receive this experience. And it can be sovereign, it can be God's choosing, it can be the result of your hunger. So I tell people a lot, and I told the kids this last weekend, your hunger does matter. God's attracted to that. You wouldn't be hungry for what you don't believe. So in hunger, there's faith intermixed with that. But there are times where, guys, God will do it whether you want him to do it or not. It's called his providence. It's called his sovereignty. It's called right time, right place. Don't care what you think, Paul. You're coming off your donkey. That's what I'm talking about. So you could be in the room. I've heard stories of people being in the room, standing in the back, arms crossed. That's a bunch of baloney. And boom, God hits them. Why? Because wouldn't that be great for God to use the foolish and the weak things of the world to shame that which is wise? 
But then there are times too where it's like your hunger does matter. And I was in a very hungry, desperate place when I received it. And I've been crying out, I've been spending time with the Lord just simply reflecting on that exact moment when that occurred because I just never wanna lose sight of that. And I'm, I'm just myself wanting to get in touch with the weightiness of what we're talking about and the responsibility that comes along with this. Like, I don't wanna be flippant today and say, who wants to come and just get touched by God? No, we're talking about something that was promised through the prophets that Jesus performs as a result of his ascension. And it's so that we become his witness, not just share cool stories, which I'm all about, because stories build faith. So there's, there's, there's three baptisms, guys, that I believe every Christian should experience at some point in life and the first one is essentially this. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about it. It talks about by one spirit, we're born into or baptized into one body. Well, what's, what's that talking about? That's why I don't like using the phrase, the baptism of the spirit to talk about what we're doing tonight because the baptism of the spirit, in my opinion, scripturally is your born again experience where the Holy Spirit dunks you and immerses you in the finished work of the cross through his death, burial and resurrection and you become a new creation. God then comes and inhabits. God comes and, and see, here's the thing. We have limited a lot in the church. It's not the church's fault. It's just we don't know what we don't know. So sometimes there's ignorance involved, but I want you to know, guys, the cross, the death, the burial, the resurrection is not the climax of the story. It's the means to the end of God's ultimate desire, which are people cleansed from the inside out that can become vessels of the Holy Spirit are then empowered by that same spirit to do the things that Jesus did because Jesus was more than a moral teacher. So when he said, follow me, what the church has done a lot is we've reduced following him to moral teaching rather than understanding a disciple does what his or her master does. So to follow him looks like this. Jesus is raised from the dead and he says, the same way the father sent me, I'm now sending you. Well, that's just tall order. Amen. And it wasn't limited to just the 11 standing there because Judas had gone off and done the unthinkable because he also tells these same guys in Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples of all nations and do what? Baptize them, right? So that's another baptism we will undergo, baptism in water. Who performs that? We as believers for one another. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you to do. Well, he commanded them a lot. He commanded them to heal the sick. He commanded them to cast out demons, to raise the dead, to cleanse lepers. I'm still going after the raising of the dead thing. I wanna see that. I've prayed for some people for that. I haven't seen it yet, but I know people that have and have had it happen. And I, when I was in Mozambique, I met a gentleman who was raised from the dead. That will rock your faith. And I got to talk to him. There are, there are few things, guys, that are written in all four gospels. And the reason why they're there is because they're important. For example, you will find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will find the birth of Christ. You will find his death. You will find his crucifixion. You will find his resurrection. You will also find this statement in Matthew chapter three, 
verse 11. We'll go there in a second. Why is that significant? It's significant, guys, because if it's in all four, we probably ought to pay attention to it. In John's gospel, you'll read things like the wedding at Cana in John 2, Nicodemus, John 3, woman at the well, John 4, the guy who was lame for 38 years, the pool of Bethesda, John 5. You'll read about the woman caught in adultery, John 8. You won't see that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke which are called the synoptic gospels, which is just another way of saying this is a synopsis of the life of Jesus. Why? Because John focused a lot on the first third of Christ's life, but there is one thing else, aside from the death, burial, birth, resurrection, all that of Christ, that you will find in all four gospels, and it is this. There is one coming after me that's greater than I. Or my Bible says mightier than I, and that's the point. For I baptize you with water, said John the Baptist, for repentance, for the forgiveness of your sins. Look how fast the tech guys are. They're like, we got it. We'll just throw it right up there. For the forgiveness of sins. That was revolutionary. All that they understood up to that point was animal sacrifices and blood were enough to take away sins. But here comes this guy eating locusts and wild honey and he looks unlike anything they'd seen before since Elijah because he came, the Bible says, in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the disobedient back to the righteous, to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and children to their fathers. So this guy shows up on the scene and he is making ready the way of the Lord. Let's get every obstacle. Let's get you to turn away from your rebellion. Come and wash that away. So in your conscience, you feel like you have confidence to run before the one that is the savior of the world. So John the Baptist introduces Jesus two ways. The one way is in John's gospel. He says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Doesn't just forgive it removes it. But he also said, there's one coming after me mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And I always tell people, you think you would have known when that happened. That sounds intense to me. If we are talking about baptized in the way of immersed in God, you would think you would remember that. Now, whether that happened when you were born again or whether it was subsequent and happened after the fact, I'm open to both and I think both are scriptural. And we need to let the Bible be what defines our opinion about these things. But this is in all four gospels. And isn't it fascinating that what John the Baptist has to say about his cousin is that? Does that grab you? Because it grabs me. There's one coming after me. That's mightier than I. I'm baptizing you. That's why like forgiveness of sins is not a new concept. The power of the blood of Christ though, like I says, it takes it away. We're not yearly offering up the same sacrifices, dealing with the reminder that we're still sinners. No, the blood of Jesus is enough to put it away once and for all. That doesn't give you a permission slip to go on sinning and not have to make restitution and reconciliation where you need to and ask for forgiveness and confess and repent. It doesn't stop any of that. But what it's saying is you're not that guy or girl anymore. You're actually brand new. But there's something more to this thing than just being forgiven and going to heaven one day. Like you can be empowered to do things. You can be empowered to live victoriously over sin and see it broken, its power, its temptation in your life. You can live in such a way that when you pray, you see effectiveness in your prayers. You see demons leave. We saw this one kid, God bless him. He was probably 12 years old at this conference last weekend and he was severely demonized and he got completely set free. Completely set free. 
I didn't see that when I first started out doing this. And that would have probably freaked me out and caused me to run out of the room. Because when you see people's eyes going all over in different directions, it's like, I hope I know who I am, whose I am, who I represent, and what's on me in that moment. So here's John the Baptist declaring, this guy, my cousin, the one you've been waiting for, I'm preparing his way, but when he comes, he's gonna baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. So when does this occur? Well, that's a great question. Let's turn to Acts chapter one and find out. I'm gonna begin in verse three. Guys, a miracle happened first service. I closed my Bible at 1015. I could have kept going, but I'm like, don't, don't, I'm done. So at 12.05, boom, I'm closing my Bible. No matter where we are, I'm done. It's over, all right? Some of that's because my family and I, we've got reservations at first post and giddy up, those wings are Holy Spirit sanctified. (laughs) So verse three, to these he also presented himself alive. To who? Well, the Bible says he appeared to 500 people after he was raised from the dead with many convincing proofs. What greater proof do you need than somebody who still has the holes in his hands up and walking around? Holy smokes. I mean, like, Lord, please just make our hearts soft to what we've heard our whole life. Please, please, like, don't let us be built up and puffed up on what we think we know. I pray that it just rocks us and touches us. Like, the simplicity of the gospel, guys, is, God, we need to be brought back to innocence and childlikeness all over again. We need to be wowed by this stuff. So he's walking around. This is significant. Why? For 40 days, what's he talking about? The kingdom of God. Who would have liked to have been in that class? For 40 days, it says, he's talking to them concerning the kingdom. Why is this significant? Because it's the gospel of the kingdom. It's the good news of the kingdom, which is what? That through man's rebellion, man wanting to be like God, man taking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and saying, I will decide for myself what's right and wrong, becoming a God, making him in our own image. Through that rebellion, sin, destruction, sickness, death, disease, demonization, all that came into the world to enslave mankind. That's why it says we were born dead in sin. Well, you can't make yourself brand new within. We needed God to come and do. We needed a deliverer in the same way that they needed a deliverer to be brought out of Egypt and into the promised land which even the Old Testament points to the fact, guys, that it says in 1 Corinthians 10 that the people were baptized into Moses, which is kind of like being baptized into Christ, being a new creation. They were baptized in the Jordan River, meaning that when they walked, or I'm sorry, the Red Sea, whatever it was, when they walked through, forgive me, the Red Sea, they, 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 it was parted. It was like their baptism moment. And it says they were baptized in the cloud, which is what? The presence of the Holy Spirit. So even the Old Testament, whoa, there it is. Look at that. All were baptized into Moses, the cloud and the sea. So it all points to, like, that's what I mean. Like, you'll see in scripture a lot of times Father, Son, and Holy Spirit showing up at the same time. Why? Because what they do, they do in together. It's all their will. It's all one purpose. That's why even at Jesus, when he's being baptized in the Jordan River, Jesus is present. The sky opens. John sees the Spirit like a dove descending, but the Father's voice says, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. At the end of 2 Corinthians, Paul says, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of our Father, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. 
In the beginning, it says, let us make man in our image. When you read about God in Genesis, the first word is Elohim, which actually translates as gods, not God. So it's the, it's the idea that there's three, even when I told you, like even when man is made, the breath that comes into him is the person, the breath of the Holy Spirit. When Stephen's being stoned, it says this, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, while he's being stoned, Acts 7, 55 through like 57, he said, I saw the sky open and I saw Jesus at the right hand of the Father. So they're present over and over and over again. He's not an it. He's a person. And when the church stops treating him like an it, do you know the Bible acts? Because here's the thing, guys. The Holy Spirit has emotions. And I want my life, you can repel him or attract him. You can grieve him. He has, he has thoughts. He has a will. He's the one who decides what spiritual gifts people get. You don't decide that. That's what 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says. And he distributes as he wills. So like we need to be able, and here's the other thing. The Bible says this, where, it says this, now the Lord is the spirit. So he is just as much God Amen. as the other two. But even Jesus, in what, I'll just use a nerdy theological term, in his kenosis or his self-emptying himself. Yes, he was fully God. Yes, he was fully man. But even Jesus said, even Jesus showed that he was baptized in the spirit. Guys, and he said, follow me. You cannot do it without this. You will try, your heart will be in the right place, your intentions will be good, but you will feel ineffective and in your heart of hearts, you know there's something more. And you feel incomplete and you're like, what is it? Well, here's what I'm talking about. So when he's raised and it says it pre he presented himself, verse three, Acts one, after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God, after our rebellion, guys, like God came, Jesus Christ was born. And when he was born at that day and time, in that age, a hole came in the age. And all of a sudden the kingdom of God began to advance. And all of a sudden Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, it says in 1 John 3, 8. And all of a sudden people are now getting set free. He's anointed with the Holy Spirit to preach good news to the afflicted, to bind up the brokenhearted, to say, if you're in prison, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. You can be free. You don't have to be held in bondage anymore. Who's performing that? The power of the Holy Spirit upon him. It says, you see that he was anointed. You've heard of Jesus of Nazareth, Acts 10, 38, who was anointed with the Holy Spirit. By who? The Father. There's the three of them again. Who went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil. And he's telling them before he ascends to his Father, let me tell you more about the kingdom why? Because what I told you to wait for in Jerusalem is going to come upon you. And the way the kingdom advanced through me, it's going to advance through you. And you're going to preach and you're going to demonstrate because the kingdom of God is not just a matter of talk, but also power, Paul said. And if it's not proclamation and demonstration, it's not the gospel. It's not the gospel of the kingdom. Because the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God's come upon you. So the kingdom of God makes people free. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. So it says, gathering them together, he commanded them, I'm gonna do it. He commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the father had promised. 
scripturally, this is called the promise of the Father, this moment, which he said, you heard of from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What's he mean when he, say, when he says, which you heard of from me? Well, that goes back to John 7, 37 through 39. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And what I will give him, what I'll put within him will become rivers of living water flowing from their innermost beings. This he spoke of, the Holy Spirit, listen, who had not yet been poured out because he had not yet been glorified. When is he glorified? Man, and I was joking with the first service about this because guys, he's standing there. This is a human. He's, he's in a man's body. He's not mystical. He's not, it's not an aura. It's not, it's not, you know, the force in Star Wars. Like he's not a ghost. Like he's standing there as a human. And all of a sudden, this human starts to go, and he lifts off the ground. And he starts, it's in your Bible, it's Acts chapter one. And he starts to go up and they're like, have you, ever, have you ever looked up in the sky and see how far you can see? He's piercing the clouds and they're like, holy cow. And the angels show up, there's two of them that say, men of Galilee, why are you looking up? Because he's gonna come back in the same way that he went up. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? We've never seen that before. Maybe that's normal where you come from, but I've never seen jet thrusters come on a human being and lift them up in the air. So why is that significant? Because as he's going, he's essentially declaring in his ascension, hey demons, hey principalities, hey devil, I'm over all of you. And all power and authority has been given to me and you can't slow me down, boom, jet rocket up to the Father. Then it says this in John 14, that I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. So when he gets there, the sign that he's arrived is Acts chapter two, when he's applied his blood to the mercy seat and everything the priest had to do in the old covenant, Jesus did in heaven. Because it was a copy of what was there. What Moses built was a copy of what was in heaven. So there goes Jesus and he makes absolute atonement, blood on the mercy seat, forever, forever representing us before the father, making, uh, making intercession for us as our faithful high priest. Because when he hung on the cross, you've heard me say this before and I'll say it again. He said, it is finished. He did not say I am finished. And the reason why he's not finished is because as high priest, he's fulfilling the covenant that one day God's gonna pour out his spirit in all flesh. And today is that day. Today is that day. And he has not changed his mind about it and he's still doing it. And it is about the kingdom advancing through the church because one day the kingdom's really gonna come and every tear is gonna be dried and all cancer will be destroyed and all death will be swallowed up. And I'll tell you what, I'm hungry for more. I wanna see more. I've been begging God when I'm alone. I'm like, God, please make me hungrier. Jesus, would you overwhelm me? Would you dominate me? Would you shake me to my core? Wake me up if you want to. I don't care. If you don't want me to tell anybody about it, I won't, if you just want it to be a private thing, but like, I have to have more because I want to see more on behalf of this generation we're chasing after. And on your behalf, I want to see more. Because when he becomes real, your life changes. And holiness is worked out and the reality of God. And so I'll wrap up by saying this. I went a minute over, I'm doing my best. So he says this in, in verse eight, chapter one of Acts, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, I really wish I could un unpack that. You shall be, and I think that power is more than just spiritual gifts. It's more than just seeing everything we talked about. It also includes, man, you can, because do you read about these guys fighting anymore? Who's over the great, who's the greatest after this moment? A lot of the language you find, they're just like nitpicking, that's all gone. Something happened. This experience can absolutely bring about a sanctification. We are sanctified by the Holy Spirit, 1 Peter 1 says, in our ongoing walk and fellowship with God. But it says this, 
And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even the remotest part of the earth. There is no effective witness without it. I promise you. So if you are, if you are hungry and you're in your heart of hearts, you're like, I know that there's more and I want more, then I really encourage you to come out tonight. I'm done. I did it. Like, we're like two minutes over. So I'd like to say more. I'm not going to because I'm working on just being done and honoring humility, all that stuff. So um, there's envelopes up here. Come and take them all, guys. Come and just sow into God, just wiping kids out and, and blessing them and setting them free and saving their lives. And there's different things on there. Like $20 can go to this and for Like there's different amounts or you can just do whatever you want. Like it all helps guys. And like our goal is to make this thing as affordable as we can. So thank you guys for your kindness and grace. It means a lot. So Jesus, I thank you right now for everybody in this room. Everything you're gonna do tonight, Lord, may it be according to your promises. Father, while we leave here, would you build a faith in us? Would you build a violence in us for the things of the kingdom? Jesus, I pray that every person receives tonight what they're hungry for. I pray that you'd make us more free than we've been, that you'd become more real than you've ever been, and that you would empower us today. Give us your grace that we might see the kingdom advance. Make us to experience your love and increase our capacity to love. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, that wasn't too hard. We did it. All right, amen. I'll see you guys tonight. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any future sermons. Stay connected with us by following us on Instagram and Facebook or visit praiseyork.com. Thanks again for joining us and we hope to see you soon.